Welcome to He Read, She Read, the podcast where a couple of married bookworms discuss what they're reading and learning. Today we're discussing The City We Became by N.K. Jemison. Listeners, we'll warn you before talking about any major spoilers. I'm Curtis. And I'm Chelsea. If this is your first time listening to one of our Buddy Read episodes, welcome to possibly the nerdiest part of our podcast. Buddy reading is something that we started doing to connect with each other after Curtis's last deployment, and we've gotten a lot out of it. So for a buddy read, what we do is we read the same book, not necessarily at the same time, unless it's an audiobook on a road trip, and then we talk about it here on the podcast. So in this case, I read The City We Became a few months ago and then sent it to Curtis, and he recently read it. And now we get to talk about it together. So I thought that at the top of the show here, it could be fun to reflect a little bit on our buddy reading experiences because we've been doing this for, what, two years now? Yeah, I think we've been doing the show for two, right? Uh, Did we start in like October 18? I think that sounds about right. And then, I mean... It was a intentional way for us to reconnect um, after I was gone for nine months, and we've always loved reading individually, but something that was cool about doing this show and reading books together is, you know, we get analytical about certain things, but it's a way for us to connect and see how the other person is feeling at that time and things that they're interested in and, you know, just quality time it's an extension of just you know having quality time with each other talking about something that's a shared experience i agree that's a really great way to put it and (laughs) (laughs) um yeah okay well i lost track with that I think that I was going to say that it's nice to have something to talk about that has nothing to do with our jobs or ordinary everyday stuff. Reading is an escape, but I also kind of consider these conversations a little bit of an escape from regular life, too. Yeah, uh, and it worked two years ago because I was coming back from uh, just some different experiences that I hadn't been through before. Uh, and now it's, you know, we extend into a lot of moves, uh, and now I'm overseas again. So some of the same cycles come back around where we can't really, you know, always talk about the same stuff. Um, but it's fun to have conversations about things that we're passionate about, namely books, for me, science fiction or fantasy. Uh, so this was kind of a, a stretch for you, though, because normally on our, have we done any analysis on like all of our buddy reads? On all of them together? Yeah. I wonder, like, subject-wise, what's the preponderance? No, but that would be really fun. Maybe we should do that for an episode, like, for our uh, anniversary episode. It's probably a good idea. But, you know, we try to challenge each other, too. That's the fun part about buddy reading is I'll pick a book or you'll pick a book, and then it's something that we talk about after the fact, but maybe we wouldn't have come to it originally on our own, if that makes sense. It does. So usually a sci-fi fantasy I would not pick up on my own. I was excited to read this one, though. And I wouldn't have gone for the Duchess deal. Right. (laughs) 
All right. Should we jump into our general opinions about this, though? Because sure, I loved the city we became. Now, this is your first N.K. Jemison, right? This is. Yeah, I did. I read a couple of her short stories from the collection How Long Till Black Future Month. And I read Mm -hmm. the short story that this book is based on. Right. And I've read um, the first part of her Broken Earth trilogy. I haven't picked up books two or three yet. Sometimes I'll take my fantasy in chunks and then need to step away from it for a while. Um, So those are going to be something that I'm probably going to pick up in 2021, unfortunately, by the time it all is said and done. So I'm familiar with her style, and that plays out in this book kind of similar to how it was uh, in the fifth season. Um, It kind of... I'll say even from the prologue, I could tell it was her just because of the way that she uses first person with certain characters and others not. And then the descriptions she has about setting and interactions with how people are experiencing what they're exposed to. So I was a fan. uh, Just the general aspect of it is there's lots of Lovecraft references, and I don't really have a firm background in that. So I felt like some of that stuff went over my head. That makes sense. I I felt the same way. I I could get when she was making a reference, and I knew that she was making a reference, but I had no context for what that really meant in the grand, grand scheme of things, except that apparently Lovecraft was horribly racist and wrote some really terribly racist sci-fi stories. And his legacy has still permeated the genre in terms of including racist stereotypes. And so Jemison is really writing a response to that. But aside from not fully understanding all of those references, I didn't feel like I had to in order to enjoy the book. It was a page turner. I read it in about three days. I couldn't stop reading it. I wanted to know what was happening next. I really enjoyed the other themes that she wove in throughout the book. I loved how her sense of humor came across. And I just really liked this team of characters that she created. And I loved the creativity of this whole entire concept around a city being birthed. And mm-hmm. I I really liked the inventiveness of her using New York City for the setting. I just really, really enjoyed it. And I've been, I have to admit that I've been intimidated by Jemison's work with, you know, not wanting to pick up the fifth season because her world building is so intricate and she uses, she creates a lot of language. And I know that it takes like a lot of effort to understand what's going on. And that's not usually what I want in a fantasy book. But after reading The City We Became, I'm much more inclined to pick up the fifth season someday (laughs) because I really liked her style. Yeah. Well, and this was more of a departure uh, from her Hugo Award winning series, which are, I would akin more to high fantasy. I listened to uh, you and Sarah talk about the differences between high and low when you did your Lord of the Rings episode, and I'm more gravitate towards high fantasy where I can kind of suspend some disbelief, immerse myself in a world that doesn't really exist, 
Um, but this was more considered like either urban or low fantasy where it sits in an actual world that people can relate to. And you were right. We talked about this where uh, this probably played a little bit better since we've been to New York City. Because mm-hmm. uh, you can understand a little bit more about the context geographically. Um, so I like how even though it's not one of her high fantasy books, a lot of the same stylistic things carry over because then it just is another representation of her work as a whole. So that made it an easy transition, even though I'm more into the high fantasy realm. I am decidedly much more a fan of the low fantasy. And I think that's really good to know about ourselves. And this seems like a really good intersection of our fantasy tastes. Well, yeah, when you have tentacles of monsters coming out of rivers, that's kind of leaning towards a high fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that we should dive in to the world building, first of all, because I know that based on your past experiences with Jemison, that's one of the things that you really love about her writing. And I have mentioned that world building isn't necessarily what I go for in a book, but I can really appreciate an author who is super imaginative and creative. And there still was a lot of world building in this book, even though it takes place in a real city. Right. So we experience all the different boroughs of New York and how they... I like that those when introductions are told from the perspective of that avatar that is representing that borough because you see it from their point of view. The overall New York City world building from her side... So when she's talking about the different layers of New York and how there's been this branching off point from the beginning of time and there's these so many undefinable dimensions, normally I think that that's kind of cheesy and I don't like it in fantasy, in science fiction. It seems like that's more of a science fiction-y thing. Um, But for me, it played. Like, it's... You're talking about the early stages of a city and how after people build up their experiences, they have these different branches that go off, and then these avatars can feel the history of the city and of their borough, and they pull power from it. So that's the part that I like this part of the world building is there's the relationship between the person and their home or their borough, and then that's how they draw their power individually. And then we can get into some of the themes later on about how they're going to use that as part of the collective. I think that's really interesting that, like you said, some of the things that maybe you usually would find cheesy in sci-fi or not like you loved in this because it really worked for you. Because I really felt the same way. And I meant to ask this at the top of the show. Do you think that this is sci-fi or fantasy? Because I really, Mm. when I would explain this to someone, I would maybe say fantasy. But there are some sci-fi elements to it. I mean, it talks about the sort of physics and mathematics of how these cities are created. And um, like you said, other dimensions, some of those things that typically go with sci-fi. It kind of feels like every time I talk about it, I say it's sci-fi fantasy like together. But I know that those genres mm-hmm. can really be separate. They can be, but they can also be together. So 
I don't like normally when bookstores will lump like sci-fi and fantasy sections together. And I will sometimes take pictures of it and put it on Instagram because I think it's funny. Um, <laughs> but like in this case, it makes complete sense. There's fantastical elements, but there's also, like we've said, pieces that are more science fiction in nature, but they go together. So to me, it was uh, the best of both worlds because I like science fiction and I like fantasy. And this is kind of a rare thing to me where they come together and I actually like it. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe we should jump right into the characters because as you were talking about the world building, you started talking about the avatars right away and they are both the setting and the characters of the novel. That's why I think it's a little bit like you have to talk about them when you're talking about the world building because as they start to understand their place as the avatar for their burrow, you understand more about the world. So... Like, from the get-go, I, I like Manny's story and his arc. And we get um, him from, first. From, so I think yeah. that is something, like, you connect with him right away because you kind of get him first. But I like the part about him where it's, you know, the unknown band of misfits, but there's the one who's got the amnesia, and he's trying to figure out who he is, and he's got remnants that he remembers, but he remembers being a bad person and doesn't know if that's really who he is. That kind of reminds me a little bit of like a, a Jason Bourne aspect where you're like, I'm learning these things all about myself, but I don't remember if they're true. So he remembers that he hurts people. He remembers that he's taking advantage of things. And he doesn't know if he likes that about himself. But in the end, he's really incredibly focused on the overall avatar that is New York. Because we've got the five boroughs, but then we have the sixth avatar that is the entirety of New York City. And that's just his obsession. I think that we should step back a second. So when we are talking about the five boroughs of New York, New York City is comprised of these different areas. So you can almost think of it like we grew up in Wisconsin. It's a whole state, but it's comprised of a bunch of different counties. New York City itself almost contains these counties within it. So if you're not from there, maybe that's a good way to explain how these boroughs function so we have new york city as a whole yeah and then for new yorkers the whatever borough they're from kind of creates this whole new identity or they're separate Mm -hmm. from each other yeah so we have new york city as a whole and the book opens and this like you said avatar it's a character but we're saying avatar because this character actually represents and embodies the entire whole of new york city and they are bringing New York City to life. They're birthing it into the world. And this is really hard to explain. And Jemison does a great job of detailing it in the book, but I feel like I can't explain how that functions. But she's operating under this highly imaginative world where cities are born and they're these living, breathing things. And the people that live in those cities, you know, keep it alive. And so she's treating a city as a living entity. So New York is this living entity and Avatar brought it into the world, but there were some complications during the birth. So these other boroughs, Manhattan, Brooklyn, the Bronx, Queens, and Staten Island, they all have to work together to bring New York City fully 
alive and to complete the birth and fight an evil force that is threatening to kill the city. So when we're talking avatars, you mentioned Manny. He represents Manhattan. So his personality and his character is all wrapped up in the identity of the place of Manhattan. There's a specific identity for each of these boroughs. Brooklyn, same thing. This character represents Brooklyn, New York, and her characteristics and her life experience represent that part of the city. Same with the Bronx and Queens and Staten Island. And so you mentioned that Manny was your favorite. The avatar that I found the most interesting, and I I don't know, I found them all compelling, but one plot line that I thought was so interesting was Bronco, the Bronx. Oh, sorry. Were you, what were you going to guess? Gonna, I was going to guess the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was on a roll. Go ahead. But yes, you would have guessed correctly. I, I thought that the Bronx was really interesting. So she kind of was, I mean, would you say she's like the leader? Well, they say that she's infused with more of the knowledge. So she, like... The Bronx has more of a historical connection with New York. It's one of the older boroughs. And I like how Jemison plays on that history by saying when all the avatars become aware of what they are, they are at different stages of knowledge about what's happening. So Bronca, the Bronx, is infused with so much understanding and knowledge about how the whole process of you know, becoming a city actually works. So... She was my second favorite of the arcs because I love her as a character, but I feel like the growth that we see from Manny throughout the story is a little just what puts it over the edge for me. But she's tough as nails. She's like the mom, but she doesn't want to be the mom. She's like she does she wants to do it all on her own. She doesn't want to help anybody else and she is like basically all of you get away from me. I can handle this and take care of my own. I'm not going to be fighting this big fight for all of New York. I'm just going to take care of the Bronx. Yeah. And Jemison crafts identities for each of these characters that are so specific, which I really loved. So Bronca has this rich Native American heritage that matches the history of New York and the indigenous peoples that lived in that area specific to the Bronx and so that that connection that's part of why she's she's the oldest of the group she has more of a connection to the area because her heritage and her people were there the longest she's got that extra connection to it and Mm -hmm. um, Manny his ethnicity is ambiguous so it's that's interesting because different characters sort of project onto him what they think, you know, who they think he is. Um, and we have Brooklyn is a black woman and Padmini from Queens has this great immigrant story. And then we have Island of Staten Island. And um, I just loved the the rich tapestry of characters and diversity that Jemison created and seemed to do it so well. And in the back of the book, she mentions in her acknowledgments that, you know, she did a lot of research. She's writing from 
Jemison herself is a black woman, but she's writing from all of these other experiences that aren't her own. And she had sensitivity readers and had friends and did her research. And I just really thought that she did a great job of crafting these characters. Oh, 100%. They're all very unique, but representative of the place and the people that they're supposed to be representing as the avatar for their borough. So that to me was one of the coolest parts is not only the journey of all of them coming together, but seeing them embrace the capability that they've been infused with. Because some of them outright are curious and want to know what's going on. Some of them reject it offhand. And the cool part I liked is even though they're all, well, especially Bronca is like, I'm just going to do my like what I need to do to take care of my own people and not worry about all of you guys when they first showed up. But at the end of the day, if somebody messes with New York, you're messing with all of the boroughs because mm-hmm. that's how New Yorkers are is like we might they, they might go back and forth every once in a while. But when there's an outsider that's coming in, in this case, the woman in white, eventually they're just going to stand together and all be New Yorkers. Yeah. So let's talk about the woman in white. This is the enemy, the evil force that is threatening to take over New York City. And she first shows up and um, she can sort of take on the shape of other people and things. And the way that she operates is really insidious, meaning it's like sneaky and you almost don't realize that it's happening unless you're paying attention to it and there's a very obvious metaphor operating here and in that she's very much a symbol of both racism and gentrification i mean this entire book is about gentrification mm-hmm. well and the, as we meet all of the characters they all have their own experiences dealing with the woman in white And the fact that she's tailoring her interactions with each of them specifically to almost reflect their personality and the personality of their borough, I thought was another great aspect of it. Because when you meet a new avatar, you're like, okay, eventually they're going to meet the woman in white. I want to know how that interaction is going to go. And that just contributes to the page turning aspect of the story is you just want to get to that next interaction. Absolutely. That is totally part of what contributed to wanting to flip the pages. And I think, you know, part of that is that she shows up and then the avatars have these really creative ways of dealing with her and watching them do that and wondering what's going to happen and how they're going to respond was totally just genius on Jemison's part. But... I just also thought that the interactions and the symbolism and the way that I was so impressed. I mean, I feel like some authors could write this book and say, I want to write a book about gentrification. And, you know, they would either bury it under the symbolism or it would be too obvious that you, you know, were so focused on that instead of also enjoying the story. But I thought that the way Jemison very much out in the open is like, this is a book about gentrification. I couldn't possibly make it more obvious for you all. But also that 
obviousness never detracted from the page turning, from the story, from the characters. I I mean, I feel like I'm just gushing about Jemison's genius here, but it was so good and that's this is part of why I love literature. I just I thought she was just genius with the way she crafted this. Well, and I was also getting strong White Witch from Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe vibes. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, big time. Because, not just from the representations of the character, but also the different interactions with, the like in that story, they have the White Witch meets all the different kids at different times, and they all have different responses. And then in the end, they still all come together, but there's one that turns and goes on the dark side a little bit which happens in this story as well that's so true i didn't even think of that boom knowledge nerd stuff well before we move on to talking about some themes there's one major character that we haven't really talked about and that's sao paulo who is i would describe him as the manifestation that happens in like these quest type stories where you're getting a band of misfits together that don't really understand the larger concerns. Sao Paulo is a city that has been born, that has had interactions with the woman in white, and he's kind of this mentor that is supposed to guide the avatars into this birthing process to get New York City to come into the world. So actually, I, I, I don't know if it was intentional or not and why I gravitated towards it, but like the passages either talking about Sao Paulo and like the little funny like jabs from Jemison or when he's actually talking are some of my favorite parts. Like when they meet some of, uh, I think it's when uh, we meet Queens for the first time, Padmini, um, somebody, I, I think it's Brooklyn says, this thing is targeting us one by one. I don't think it's going to stop. There doesn't seem to be an instruction manual or a wise old mentor anywhere to help us figure out the rules. (laughs) (laughs) jokes on you brooklyn sao paulo shows up eventually but and then sao paulo when he eventually goes in gets to queens and talks to pedmini's family he's trying to convince them that he's trying to be there to help and this part i liked when he's talking about the overall city and he can speak from this as a little bit of a wise old mentor a city is never alone not really and the city seems less solitary than most more like a family Many parts frequently squabbling, but in the end, against enemies, they come together and protect one another. I love that quote. So, I was really enjoying Sao Paulo in the same way that I was liking the interactions between the avatars and the woman in white, is they all have different responses to Sao Paulo as well had to grab my reading journal because you have our copy of the book and I have stuff underlined and I think I have book darts in there but I don't have it in front of me. So we talked about how the overall theme and message like the biggest thing that Jemison is communicating here is the the sinister nature of gentrification and erasing cultures and history from these boroughs and neighborhoods and basically whitewashing it and literally because the woman in white is walking around and when she touches people they grow like a little white feather 
out of them. And so mm-hmm. you can see all of these people walking around with this influence of the woman in white. And that influences them to do racist things like call the cops on perfectly innocent people in the park or other means of discrimination. So, I mean, that's just, it's truly the biggest theme. I don't think I was just, <laughs> my, uh, like, the back of my mind here, I'm trying to think, when are we going to talk about spoilers and when do we have to warn people? But I don't feel like we've talked about any spoilers yet. Probably not. So if you're still listening and you're like, when are they going to talk about spoilers? I think you're okay. Maybe now as we get into themes, me white, maybe now as we get into themes, we might talk about some spoilers, but... This book is pretty easy to talk about without spoiling the actual action of the story and the basic stuff of what happens. So now I think maybe as we get into themes, you might catch some spoilers. So consider yourself warned. So the the first quote that I wrote down is about Manny. So I thought you might like this one or like to discuss this one since he's one of your favorites. Manny's been in New York for less than an hour, and yet he knows. He knows that cities are organic, dynamic systems. They are built to incorporate newness, but some new things become part of a city, helping it grow and strengthen, while some new things can tear it apart. And this really, this was on page 46, so right away you get this theme and these hints of Jemison talking about how immigration and new people moving to New York City can make it bright and vibrant and can strengthen it. But gentrification, which is a new thing, new people moving in and erasing, can tear it apart. And um, right away we get, I like that this is part of the avatars, like this is in their deep consciousness, like these things that they just automatically know about cities and about Mm -hmm. the world. I found that interesting. Well, there's the deep consciousness, but then there's also all of them have different interactions where they hear the city of New York speak to them in like in their head. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the interesting part of that quote is like incorporate gets brought up a lot, and that's kind of her code word for talking about gentrification because uh-huh. that's in other places throughout the book when she's talking about incorporation or incorporate. That's a code word for her to talk about gentrification. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like um, a way for her to talk about it while keeping you firmly in this fantastical world. So it's like she makes it part of this this world-building and system that she's creating. Mm-hmm. Um, can I read you my other favorite quote that I marked? from the book sure this is i think this is like overall my favorite quote nah nothing human beings do is set in stone and even stone changes anyway we change too. anything about ourselves that we want to we just have to want to she shrugs people who say change is impossible are usually pretty happy with things just as they are that's on page 233 I i believe that's bronco right i think so well, that's the part I like about Bronca is she's got this because she's infused with more of the knowledge about the process, but also is the oldest of the avatars is she brings a little bit more wisdom to it. And I think my favorite quote from Bronca is at the end when 
they're kind of all confronting the woman in white and Bronca says you don't get to do this you don't get to roll in here and threaten to kill everything we love and claim to be civilized while you're doing it which is just a perfect model of what gentrification and, and whitewashing looks like is because that's the excuse is, that's been thrown around for centuries is this is part of civ- like making something civilized with while you're insinuating that what it was before white people got there is that it was less than and this is so the city we became is the first in what's going to be a trilogy Jemison is going to write about other cities and so we can take gentrification in new york and expand this to you know globally she is also connecting this to colonization and colonization and gentrification are two sides of the same coin basically and the I think Sao Paulo is a really significant figure in the book because of that, and he helps to connect those global themes. And then I'm really excited to see what city she writes about next, and where she goes with connecting, connecting that. Yeah, because she's not only talking about New Yorkers, uh, like after they get to New York, she's talking about stories about immigration and like going back in that so like part of that is I, I really liked how Sao Paulo has a a business card that says he's a city representative uh-huh. uh, but he but he has an international phone number and uh, when he hands the card to uh, I think Padmini's mom or family member um, she says why do you make somebody make an expensive international call to talk to you you should get an American phone and he says, and this, uh, this is probably one of my favorite quotes from the book overall, is forcing others to acknowledge my point of origin provides a latent strengthening effect. I loved that. Yeah. I think, did I underline that one? Uh, there's a book dart there, but no yeah. underline. So you must not have liked it as much as you thought. <laughs> no, but I, yeah. And that's got to be so true, right? When you really own where you're from and you make sure that people recognize and respect your culture and your heritage then it does um it does strengthen it and i think that i think that was the biggest theme that i liked is where people were getting their power and their energy in order to stave off the evil or the enemy was from where they're from so these avatars could reach down into the multi-layer dimensions of whatever part of the city that they're from. Sao Paulo can like reach into an entire city because he represents an entire city. Uh, but quotes like that and just the constant conversations about how people grew up and the things that make them who they are, that's where they get their strength and that's where they get their power. So I thought that that was a great way to describe people from New York especially or from wherever you're from that where you are in the world now today is based on where you came from what were some fantasy tropes or elements that Jemison used in this book that you really liked as a big fantasy reader yourself well definitely the wise old sage and then talking about how there's no wise old sage to <laughs> give us the instruction manual. <laughs> um, but honestly, I think it's 
I mean, you just got done talking about the Fellowship of the Ring recently for novel pairings, and I was getting some of those vibes where it's the people from all different walks of life, different personalities, different age brackets, but all finding common ground to come together and make this team. And we spend a good seven-eighths of the book actually just organizing the team. Like, yeah. for, I don't know if it was the same for you, but for me, it felt like the ending was very abrupt because we spent the majority of the book just getting to know the characters, seeing them as individuals, seeing them as the collective come together as the team. And then I'm not saying the ending fell flat for me at all. It just was very abrupt because the majority of the story was spent in how they're coming together to form this unity. Yeah, there is plenty of action, and like we said, it's page-turning, um, but the ending does come up quickly. The The point is not necessarily the, the final battle. The point is the search for identity and the search for individual and collective identity, I think. I'd agree, but that's the part that's kind of old school fantasy that I like even going back to like Arthurian mm-hmm. myths is bringing together this team to fight against this big evil whatever it is in this case it's the enemy or the woman in white but it can it goes back centuries for different books like you have a central enemy that people are going to get together and fight because if they try to do it on their own they couldn't do it yeah So I offered this as a pairing for the Fellowship of the Ring on that novel pairings episode. Does that make sense to you as someone who's much more of a fan of Lord of the Rings than I am? I think so. I think it is the aspects of it that make sense are kind of the wise old mentor that I've mentioned a couple of times. Sal Paolo is a very Gandalf-like character. Um, You have just really a band of misfits coming together because they're facing a common goal and that's what the fellowship is all about is people that normally wouldn't get along or even enemies blatantly are that would be fighting each other the previous days are now working together yeah i i've just been thinking because you've brought up band of misfits a lot and i know that's one of your favorite fantasy tropes is like when a group of people gets together and these aren't the traditional heroes that you would expect but they have to get together and do it anyway Mm -hmm. and in this case i mean i would use misfit kind of loosely because these people do fit what they represent perfectly like they are great representations and they fit into their burrows but as a group they don't all really fit together (laughs) and (laughs) when you know when society at large looks at them they are on the margins so they are they represent a lot of marginalized groups and so um it, it is a different take on that band of misfits trope that you love so much Mm-hmm. But it's done very well, and I, I agree with everything that you just said. It's people that you normally wouldn't expect, um, but... Like an art director, and a former rapper, now mother, and, and a, gra- a math a student. student. Yeah, um, 
unexpected heroes is a good way to put it a 30 year old white lady who lives with her parents right well i don't think we could consider her one of the heroes of the story but no so that's the closest we're that's the closest we've gotten to a spoiler exactly (laughs) so we touched a little bit on jemison's style and her voice at the top of the episode but i just want to come back to it because what i didn't realize was that jemison has a really great dark snarky sense of humor 100 percent. and i really loved her writing style and her voice it really compelled me to keep turning the pages because i just really liked the way she turns a phrase and the the sort of dark jokes that she slid in and is that in the fifth season as well or do you think that that matches better with the urban fantasy of this book i think it's more apparent because of the just new york level of that's how Mm. people in new york are just the snark and the i won't say devil may care but it's kind of the the dark humor is very prevalent in new york kind of cynical yeah um so that exists a little bit in some of her higher fantasy but i think it's that's part of the expressiveness of new york city as a whole that she's trying to get out of is there's dark humor people make jokes about things that they probably shouldn't well i I won't say shouldn't but in settings where it's serious there's dark humor i really loved that part of her writing style and then i think part of why i loved this as a fantasy novel is it felt very literary to me. I I felt like um, the style and the themes and the way I was able to uh, make connections as I was reading, it felt a little bit like I was reading literary fiction, and yet it was this page-turning fantasy novel, and I loved that combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've obviously shown that we pulled some decent quotes out of there that are literary i would say and i just like the way that she carries us all the way through the different interactions like we've mentioned a couple of times and to me that just says a lot about her style is she can take five different voices interact with each other but then also with a mentor figure a enemy that is trying to be like work around them to destroy them so that's the part I liked is everything is distinguishable, but it's also well thought out and well executed. I think it's fair to say that Jemison is one of the greatest writers of our time, and she deserves all of the acclaim that she gets. If not more, she deserves some more recognition. And I really love this, and I'm excited to go back into her short story collection and read more of those. And someday I will tackle the fifth season. All right, Curtis, let's give a couple of recommendations for readers who read The City We Became and are looking for something similar to read next. So what would you recommend to readers? Well, I'll pick an easy one, and it's something we've done an episode on previously. And I I did akin it to a little bit like an urban fantasy or a low 
fantasy type book and it's a darker shade of magic by ve schwab i deliberately didn't talk about this during um the episode portion because i wanted to bring it up at the end but there's connections to multiple dimensions uh, the city aspects uh, being a character and how that plays into the larger scheme of the story so we read this a while ago and have a buddy read episode about it so if you're interested and like the conversation from this episode i'd encourage everybody to go back and listen to that one because it's a good one what would you recommend to go with this one Alyssa Cole, who people have heard me mention on the podcast a lot as one of my favorite romance writers, she has a brand new mystery novel coming out this fall called When No One Is Watching, and this could fall under maybe the domestic thriller category. I have it on my e-reader right now, and I'm maybe a chapter into it, and I'm excited to get a good chunk of time where I can zip through and read it. But it is a thriller novel that also deals with gentrification and the same themes that N.K. Jemison is covering in The City We Became. So I think that that makes for a really interesting pairing and recommendation. And I am just really excited about reading Alyssa Cole's writing in a new genre because she's one of my favorite authors and I've heard good things from friends who have read this book early so that is When No One Is Watching by Alyssa Cole. Do you have a recommendation of the week for us? Um, I didn't originally uh, but as we were waiting to record I was scrolling through Amazon and Prime and trying to figure out if there was something I was going to watch tonight. And I think there's a connection just based on the fact that I liked N.K. Jemisin's underlying themes and messages about racism and gentrification, something that is along those lines and from somebody that you wouldn't have really expected. I think I'm going to watch Get Out. Yeah, I think that would totally connect with similar themes the book that i just mentioned when no one is watching has been the publishers have been marketing it marketing it as get out meets um rear window so i have not seen get out because i'm a scaredy cat and horror movies are not my thing but i have been meaning to watch it because i know that it is a it's it's different from other horror movies and um yeah you'll have to let us know what you think and the connections that you see with this book yeah because i'm a horror fan and i like jordan peele in the comedy side so i'm interested to see his take on a horror film with these underlying messages and themes and i think i can rent it for free right now so i'm gonna go for it Nice. Oh, another show that I've been meaning to ask you about is if you've heard or if it's been on your radar, Lovecraft. I think it's on HBO. I think it's called Lovecraft Country. Okay, maybe. I've seen the trailer, have not like dove into it that much, but that'd be another one for people that like the Lovecraftian elements that Jemison is making a commentary on in the city we became and then seeing how it's kind of a modern look at that on an HBO show so 
I thought of that too. I just don't know enough about it to feel confident recommending it. But I have heard good things. I think that Knox and Jamie were talking about it on the podcast, so that's how it's on my radar. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's another one that maybe you can share on another episode if you end up watching it and enjoying it. What do you got for a recommendation of the week? I finished a really great audiobook. I don't remember if it was last week or the week before because I have not been doing a lot of reading this month, if I'm being honest. But I really like Jasmine Guillory. I know I've recommended her books on the podcast before. And her most recent one, Party of Two, is her best yet. It was really good. All the things we love about Guillory's writing, she's got two main characters who are very career-driven and have to navigate that in addition to their relationship. Lots of food. She writes really excellent dinner date scenes, and food is a big part of her romance novels. And I just really think she outdid herself with this one. So that's Party of Two by Jasmine Guillory, and I highly recommend it. Okay. Well, that's our discussion of the city we became. Listeners, we would really love to hear from you, especially if you are new to the He Read, She Read community over here. If you have a bookworm problem that you think we could help you solve, feel free to email us at podcast at gmail.com. If you want to see pictures of our Wheaton Terrier Penny and other bookish content, follow us over at HeReadSheRead on Instagram. And if you love the podcast, please spread the word by texting a link to a friend or posting about us on social media. We're really excited to decide on our next buddy read, and we will let you know what we choose soon. Thank you all for listening, and remember the couple that reads together. We're like New Yorkers. You mess with one of us, you mess with both of us.